This was on my mind this morning, and I've used something like this years ago, but didn't explain it quite this way. Uh, but I want to give you a visual that helps you understand something and give you a little bit of math that will boggle your mind. Let's see that next slide, Justin. How many of you know what that is? A Rubik's Cube. I take it you've never solved it <laughs> without pulling the stickers off. I remember around 1980 or 81, I bought one of these things. I wanted to learn how to do that thing. Part of it is just the man in me that wants to conquer something, I suppose. Uh, the other part of it was it was it's a puzzle. It mesmerized me in, in a sense. I think a part of me wanted to be able to learn how to do it so that I could show off, I suppose. You know, again, this was the early 80s, 80, 81. And it didn't take very long for me to learn uh, that Rubik's Cube. But I can tell you one thing, you won't learn it by accident. That's impossible. Uh, there's too many combinations. You will not learn that cube by accident. In fact, if someone puts you in a dark room where you couldn't see that cube and you held it in your hands and you got one turn a second for an eternity, you'd be sitting in that room because you just would not solve that accidentally. There is a formula. There are formulas that you have to, to do because every time you start turning something, you mess something else up. So you have to turn it in a sense so, and then you have to reverse what you've just done. And so there were some formulas. I've forgotten now exactly all the formulas, but I could do it in a minute uh, easily, uh, sometimes 40 or 50 seconds. I'm not saying that to draw the attention to me, but here's a cube that's only three inches wide, three inches deep, three inches high. Very little cube. It's got six sides to it, six different colors, nine cubes on each side. But listen to what I'm about to tell you. There are more than 43 quintillion combinations. It's mind-boggling, isn't it? Because we don't deal with quintillions. We don't even deal with quadrillions. We rarely deal with trillions other than our deficit. But that's another, that's another story. <laughs> but we don't deal with these kind of numbers for the most part because what are you trying to measure, if you will? But let me give you an example of what 43 quintillion looks like, okay? Well, let me see if I can break it down. 24,901 miles around the earth. In other words, if you were just to get in a car and you could just drive right across the ocean and all the way around the earth, 24,901 miles. That's a long ways, right? I mean, that is the circumference of the earth. 24,901 miles. Now, if you were to get in a car and drive around the earth at 60 miles an hour and a friend got in a car and could drive to the sun, come on, I know this is a little preposterous, but if he was driving to the sun, our sun out there, at the same speed, you would have to go around the earth almost 4,000 times before he reached the sun. I want you to see how big this number is now. The sun is about 93 million miles away, so if I went to the sun and back, how many miles is that? 186 million, isn't it? It's 186 million. Now, if you take 43 quintillion combinations in that cube, and it's 186 million miles to the sun and back, how many times would you have to go to the sun and back to have seen all those cubes, all those combinations? This is staggering, friends. You would have to go to the sun and back about 232 billion times. Is that crazy? So I know they all rhyme, million, billion, trillion, quadrillion, quintillion, but they are nothing alike, as you can see. Now, my point is simply this. When I think about this little cube and, and how it can have so many aspects to it, so many combinations to it, 
And then I think about the love of God. And I think about the grace of God and the mercy of God. Now let me ask you a simple question. Do you think God is going to be outdone by a Rubik's Cube? That's impossible! He's infinitely greater, infinitely more loving, infinitely more powerful. And you know, I've heard this said before. I don't know if we can prove it based on the Bible, but we can prove that as angels encircle the throne and they look at the Father for eons, all they've done is cried, holy, holy, holy. That's all their words are. Holy, holy, holy. And I've heard it said years ago that every time they come around, look at the face of the Father, they see expressions on Him that they have never seen in all of eternity. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? Because if you could see every aspect of Him, eventually you go, okay, I've seen everything now. That's old news. <laughs> There's nothing old news about the Father. And this is the, the one who lives on the inside of us. We sang about it in one of the songs this morning about a house. And remember last week when I ended that message, I talked about in Hebrews there that we are His house. He lives on the inside of us. Powerful thought. And so now, when we look at these Scriptures in Ephesians chapter 3, it begins to add some new depth to it where it says here, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide Come on, is it wider than three inches? Amen. His love knows no boundaries. It doesn't keep running and then run into a, a brick wall out there in eternity and then say, I have to stop here. How wide and how high and deep and long is the love of God. And this is the love that lives in us. You see why I'm excited? I know you're feeling it too. This is why he excites me, is that all of him, what, would come and live on inside of me? How can that be possible? He would say, man, I'm not deserving of that. How wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ? And then it says, and to know this love, not just be aware of it, not just Tinker with it a little bit. My daddy was a tinker. I know what tinkering means. Son, I'm going to go out to the shop and tinker for a while, which meant you ain't going to really get anything done at all. You're just tinkering. My daddy was a tinker. But this love of God, he says, it's the love of Christ. And it says, and to know this love, and it says, and it surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. I'm not trying to get any fuller of God. He's already filled us. I understand we leak. Yeah, every time we go up to somebody and say, man, Jesus loves you, just leak some of the Spirit out. But He doesn't have to keep pouring more Spirit in. You know, I mean, how many of you know if you pour out some milk, you know, the, you can look at the jug and see it's lower than before you poured it in the glass, right? That's not the way with the Father. Because it's a love that surpasses our ability to have to keep having it filled. He lives in us. The fullness of Christ lives on the inside of us. We have the fullness of Christ living on the inside. And so really what I want to do before I bring Valerie up here is I just want to share these scriptures with you uh, just one chapter before uh, in um, 
Ephesians chapter 2. Look at these scriptures. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now they sound similar. Transgressions is just breaking known laws and just being defiant and rebellious. He said, you were dead one time in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That's what we are seeing on our streets right now. All they're doing is they're in their transgressions and sins and they're following the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. This is humbling. This says all of us. <laughs> Brother Mark, it's hard to believe it, but you... All of us lived among them at one time. What did we do? We gratified the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Continuing. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of His great love. Do you see that adjective? Great love. Not just love, but great love. I'm calling it rich in mercy, rich in grace, this little devotion. But because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy. Rich! He's wonderful rich. Powerful rich. We sang about His name a little while ago. What a wonderful name it is. What a glorious name it is. What a powerful name it is. Rich! He's rich! I mean, think about the richest entity, spirit in the world, lives on the inside of us. You are rich! You are as rich as you're ever going to get. And we got to start thinking like rich people. We are rich, what? In mercy. And if we've been given mercy, we've been showed mercy, then friends, you give mercy. You show mercy. You've got to be intentional about this. He's rich in mercy. And what happened there? Because He was great in love for us, because He was rich in mercy, He made us alive with Christ. That makes me want to shout. He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Look at those words. It is is by grace you have been saved. You had a Rubik's Cube in your hand in the dark, and he said, but let me show you how this works here. See, we were in the dark at one time, and we were a puzzle to God at one time. But he said, you know what? I know the way out of this thing. I know the formula out of this thing. It's Christ on a cross. It's his precious blood. You're all dead in your transgressions at one time. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I want you in your mind's eye this morning to see yourself seated with Christ. I don't know exactly what that looks like. I see myself seated on Christ. There is just no way, man, if Jesus was sitting right there on the throne and there was a chair sitting next to him and I came in the throne room, there is no way I would sit next I'd just be, hey, hey Jesus... I'd be right on his lap and my arms around his neck hugging him and loving him and crying and rejoicing and singing and blessing him and thanking him and being, I would. There ain't no way I'd just sit down next to Jesus. I'd be, so when it says we're seated with him in heavenly realms, literally we're seated in him. We're seated in him. He's seated in us in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show Oh, I, I remember preaching a message called The Incomparable Riches of His Grace at one time, a long time ago. But it says, in the coming ages that He might show the incomparable riches of His grace. Didn't I tell you He was rich? He's rich in mercy. He's rich in grace. He's rich in love. Everything about Him is rich. Rich, 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 rich. 
Daddy's rich. Hey, did you know your daddy's rich? Amen. Your daddy's rich. Your daddy's rich. Amen. Incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. There it is. Verse 8 again. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't take credit for a thing. For by grace, that rich grace, have you been saved. By faith. Now this is a scripture a lot of believers don't like, you see, because they misunderstand it. Especially people that are in the grace churches. Because they go, oh, there you go. You're trying to put me back to work again. No, no, no. For we are God's handiwork. Look, man. You know, can you imagine Jesus when he worked in the carpenter's shop? I don't know what he was building, but I'll bet you it was top notch. When Joseph probably said his own daddy said, that's good enough, son. I'll bet you Jesus said, no, daddy, that's not good enough. I want it perfect, daddy. Because I'm going to make all your kids perfect. And we are perfect in Christ. That doesn't mean your behavior is perfect, but you are perfect in Christ. You don't believe me, you just go look at Hebrews 10.14. It says, for by one sacrifice, He has made perfect forever those who are made holy. We are perfect in Christ. That means the inner man, the spirit man, the man that counts, He's perfect. Why? Because He's seated with Christ. And Christ is seated on the inside of Him. So sometimes we don't like this Scripture because it sounds like we've got to go to work. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Now that's important right there because notice it doesn't say because of your good works. We don't become His handiwork because of our good works. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And why do we do good works? Because it comes out of love. Whether it's giving, whether it's sharing, whether it's praying for somebody, it doesn't matter what it is. Remember, Ruby's Cube is only three by three. We have millions, billions, unlimited ways to minister to other people and minister to ourselves sometimes. All we got to do, <laughs> are you ready for this? Listen to the Spirit. He's always right. He is always right. He'll give you insight on something you've never thought about in a day in your entire life. But we are His handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I want you to consider as we give this morning the goodness of the Father. He's rich. The goodness of His mercy, rich. The goodness of His grace, rich. And every attribute about Him, ones that angels can't find an end to, rich, <laughs> rich, rich, holy, holy, rich, rich. Maybe that translates as rich, holy, rich, rich, rich. The Father's rich. Amen. Well, Father, you've got me excited on the inside. That's for sure. Amen. I just see you that way, Daddy. You're just so rich and so good to us and so gracious to us and so merciful to us and so loving and so kind. And there is no limit to that, Daddy. So thank you, Father, as that truth begins to drip into our heart. And as Valerie comes this morning and reinforces the gospel, the good news, reinforces what you've already done on the inside of us, we thank you that we celebrate in advance that we are growing in this grace. In Jesus' name, amen.